Witty Nation, welcome everyone to a mini episode of Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between, and part of the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at WittySports716 on Twitter, at BuiltInBuffalo underscore. We are your hosts, I am Matt Greco, he is Tony Ambrose. Tony, happy Festivus! Oh, happy Festivus to you! Ah, it's a Festivus miracle. It's a Festivus miracle. We are back that another... you remembered it's not Festivus. It's not Festivus? No, that you remembered that it's Festivus. Oh, yes, of course it's <laughs> Who would forget? I, I don't know. Was I, was just at a bas- I was just at a basketball game, and on the video board, there were Festivus graphics. Oh, well, that's very fitting, then. Well, uh, I mean, I made them. I made those graphics. Oh, you did. Okay. okay. Well, then that's very yeah. fitting. <laughs> Uh, Tony, is there any grievances or a grievance you would like to air during this Festivus Ooh, celebration? Yeah, my grievance is that uh, these dang COVID tests, you got to <laughs> wait 15 minutes. I'm dying to know my results over here. That's right, listeners. Co- Tony, in honor of the Bills placing eight players on the COVID list and... <laughs> In honor of Tony's hero, Bobby Hart, he took a live COVID test for us. Oh, don't spread that misinformation. <laughs> but yeah, oh. I, am wi- I am currently I'm currently in my basement. That I the Bills waiting. don't have eight players on the COVID list? <laughs> is that my hero, Bobby Hart. Oh, that that information. Yeah, that's incorrect. Yeah. That is, that is a fallacy big time. That is but a I am, cur- I am currently in uh, minute three of waiting to see what... Uh, the results are of a at-home rapid COVID test. The anticipation is nerve-wracking. It's palpitating. I, 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 we'll get the results in about 10 minutes here, listeners, and it'll be thrilling audio, I'm sure. Tony, I got a hot take, though, regarding the player we oh, just mentioned. Oh, man, I love a good hot take. Regarding the player we just mentioned, I was thinking this week with all these COVID tests and throughout the NFL and the Bills organization and whatnot and sports in general, but speaking of the Bills specifically, because that's what we talk about mostly, has anything good ever happened to this organization when Bobby Hart's been on the roster? <laughs> <laughs> like, just saying. Uh, like, preseason, he's getting guys pretty much hurt with his poor play, and then, I don't know, it just, the season has not gone well, and I'm guessing suspect zero is Bobby Hart. Um, I would say 100% that it's fair, that it's accurate, because as you know, I absolutely hate Bobby Hart. Player and, and I person. will blame him for anything. <laughs> he, he is to blame for everything. I think it oh, was absolutely. John Feliciano's in the ER. I'm thinking we're blaming Bobby Hart. Well, that does make sense that we might blame Bobby Hart. For that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that, that could track that that would possibly did happen. I, I think so. Josh hurts his ankle. I'm blaming Bobby Hart, even though he had nothing to do with it. I'm blaming him. No, I, I would say that is his fault because he's not. Competition is good for everyone, and he's bringing no competition because he sucks so bad. I and like everyone it. Everyone else has their has their guard down. Good spin, love it. Yep. So, listeners, the the thing all day, baby. The moral of the story is nothing good has happened while Bobby Hart has been on this team. <laughs> Tony, what else? Festivus. What? What? Like, if you were to have two Bills players fight each other, <laughs> feats of strength style. Oh, what? Oh, oh, okay. The feats of strength. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think the better question or the the precursor question of this is: so then, if the feats of strength has to be between the head of household and someone of his choosing or, or a challenger, yes. Who is the head of household for the Bills? Ooh, I like that question better. Yeah. And um, then who? And then who are they going to fight? Who's the head of household for the Bills? 
Hmm. Interesting question. Who Who would you say? I mean, like the I mean, ho- obvious. McDermott. Yeah, the obvious seems like Sean McDermott. Right. And, and who is he fighting? I'm thinking Isaiah McKenzie. Oh wow. Okay. Why do you say my, Isaiah McKenzie? I don't know. He just he just see Isaiah McKenzie just seems like a guy who cannot get in Sean McDermott's good graces this season. Although his snap count did come up during the Carolina game. I, I just don't, I, I don't know. He just seems like the fall guy for Sean McDermott. Who would you say? You know, I'm tempted to say it's going to be Sean McDermott and who has to pin it. Well, uh, I, I really think I would have to say that Sean McDermott might challenge Harrison Phillips. Oh, okay. Not because of Sean McDermott. Oklahoma Sean McDermott takes his background of wrestling with such pride. And he likes that Harrison Phillips has a background in wrestling. So I think he would want it to be a, a true match on the mat. Okay, I like that. I was also going to go with Sean McDermott fighting a metaphorical opponent in Mother Nature because of the wind gust preventing him from clapping so much. It's the air resistance, oh, okay. the air resistance of Mother Nature preventing Sean McDermott from clapping. That could be a, that could be a, his biggest challenge of the year so far. This is all just buying time until your live test results come through. Obviously. Six minutes left. <laughs> Six minutes left. The countdown has begun. This is this is better than New Year's ball drop. It, it basically is. <laughs> it basically. It, I mean, it I don't be. know the medical. I don't know the medical terminology, but like the thing that was in my note, or the thing that this like strip is in this water. Like something is dropping. Wow. Through the strip. Okay. But hopefully not enough to make the pink line. <laughs> hopefully, once again, fantastic audio. People, just close your eyes and picture. <laughs> Tony's uh, rapid well, test. Well, they're lucky because I did suggest to you at first that I do administer the test live on the podcast <laughs> and to reveal the results later on live on the podcast. That, that, so- that sounds like a Curb episode, just like waiting at. Like Larry's <laughs> sitting there waiting for his <laughs> test results. Mm-hmm. That's a Curb episode right there. Um, it is a Curb episode. Tony. Just throwing some good callbacks like we saw in last week's Curb episode. Yep. Uh, you know, that's what I find is happening, I think, in Curve, is like, when in doubt, just do some Seinfeld references. That seems to be the writing style. Oh, easily. Nowadays on Curve. Never yeah. fails. Never fails. I don't know. It gets me every time. Tony, the holiday season is upon us. There's joy in the air. There's not snow on the ground. But we got a lot of Bills to talk about. You ready to get into this Bills-Panthers game? Um, yeah. Yeah, why not, right? Marv? Well, sounds all right. Marv's going to serenade us, take us to break, and we will be back in a minute. Take it away, Marv. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now, back to the show. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back, listeners. We start our Bills game review the same way we start every week. The So Bad It's Good game review. Tony, you got your notepad? You ready to take some notes? Oh, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, 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 I'm picking <laughs> up what you're laying down. Okay. I'm, I'm coming to understand what you mean when you say such words. <laughs> okay, good. I, I hope so. Notepad is. I want. I do want to have. Okay, fine. All right, All you're right. good. Ready? This will do. No. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. No. Here we go. <laughs> Tony's ready. Listeners, you're ready. Here we go. 
On a balmy afternoon in Orchard Park, Cole Burtz Beasley and the Bills offense were soothing to the Bills Mafia, getting back in the wing column. But it was the Bills D and Matt Milano. What an afternoon. Mid-December, back in week 15. What a very special win for McD. I remember. Oh, what an afternoon. Devin Singletary was running through Frankie Valleys thanks to the holes the Billsy boys on the O-line were making. And Josh Allen Rickman was Severus sniping passes through the Panthers secondary to Stefan Diggsery and Dawson Order of the Phoenix. Cam Isaac Newton said, ow my back, as he experienced all the laws of motion, hitting the ground, being sacked four times by the Bills defensive line. And the Bills start their home stretch off the right way, leaving their Carolina farm team in the wrong. Bills win 31 14. What do you got, Tony? Instant, instant criticism. Go. Probably the most musical one you've ever done. Well, you, you, I... you stepped up the music last week. I thought I had to pick up where you left off. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow, well, this guy's doing, doing stanzas here. Like, that was. <laughs> That was something I didn't expect that I'm pleasantly surprised by. But I think that you hit it on the park with the first one. I really appreciated when you said it was a balmy. I, the, as soon as you said it was balmy, I'm like, oh, I hope he takes a chapstick direction with it. Of course. And then I, and I wrote down balmy, and as I'm writing the Y of balmy, boom, you say first Beasley. And I say, and I, I thought that was excellent. You ask, I deliver. Yeah. Well, I, it is. I have no criticism. No notes. Wow. That's a first, listeners. I have no notes. That's a first. Happy Festivus. Merry Christmas. I have no notes. Maybe he got distracted by the tinsel, listeners. I don't know. I do find tinsel distracting. Yes, you do. I know. <laughs> Tony, where do we start off with this game? Um, it was kind of just like a ho-hum game. I, let's not even start with the game. Let's just start with this week and all the news that came out this week. And I'm talking about Pro Bowl snubs. Let's start with the Pro Bowl Ooh. snubs before we get into the game. Because I think that is a hot-button topic on the Twitterverse in Bill's Mafia. Deion Dawkins and Stefan Diggs were the only selections from the Bills to make the Pro Bowl. And then there was a multitude of players after that as first to fifth alternates. Tony, why should I care? Because I don't. And I don't think the players should either. Like, do you, do you care about the Pro Bowl uh, snubs? No. The only reason that I would care or that I would um, like understand others caring is that if they feel... If it's like clickbait style just just stirring the pot because that's what'll get the clicks yeah because that's what'll get the rating kind of ideas and then and then when you get fired up that micah hyde is uh is he a fourth alternate if then micah hyde is in there and wherever he is then you're yeah, just playing right in their hands right matt milano not even an alternate what is, what's up with that What's up with that? What's up with that? Uh, that was more like everyone's like, oh, Jordan Poyer, like he's a third alternate. That's ridiculous. He should be an all pro. I don't want a pro bowler. Like, yeah, he should. I totally do agree yeah, with all those statements. Be. Matt Milano not even being an alternate, a fifth alternate Milano, is, yeah, is, Milano, is more surprising to me than anything. I would say I agree. I don't know. It's all brand. It's not, you know, you're voting for a brand. You're not voting for a player. It's a popular so, contest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, even, I don't know, man, Milano is, I think, just a little too... <sighs> Milano? <laughs> yeah. Man, Milano does not live up to his namesake, because he's not like Milano. Right. He's like just a regular flavor, just a <laughs> Yeah. And Shereen but... Edwin, 
Tremaine Edmonds is more of a Milano. Not even the M&M ch- uh, Chips Ahoy. Just the regular. No, M&M Chips Ahoy. Get, get serious. No, <laughs> not even close. Who's the M&M Chips Ahoy? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I nobody think nobody on this team. Ahoy, no, I think the M&M Chips Ahoy is when Isaiah McKenzie gets forced into doing uh, cornerback work. <laughs> yes. Great, we got this M&M Chips Ahoy in there on defense now. Uh. <laughs> he is truly the M&M Chips Ahoy of the Buffalo Bills roster, Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, Matt Milano is the biggest roster. I like Isaiah McKenzie in general. As a cornerback or just a player? Well, as a as an offensive player. Oh, I do too. Yes. Yeah. I, okay, I, good. Okay. Yeah. Right and we're gonna see, I think we're going to see a lot of them this week for the Patriots game because Cole's got the, the cocoa. Yes, I think so too. Which I hope so. I mean, I like... I like McKenzie. I hope he gets a shot. See what he can do. That's what I'm saying. Make him the hero. That's what I'm saying. Um, some of the other big big snubs, Josh Allen as a first alternate. Lamar Jackson getting over jo- getting the nod over Josh Allen, despite having a much worse statistical season. That seemed to be a big sticking point throughout Bill's Mafia. Again, I, I don't – like, nobody watches the Pro Bowl. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't even know if it the like the only thing I can like wrap my head around with the Pro Bowl is it goes into contract negotiations, which in Josh Allen's case doesn't matter, obviously. But in Tremaine Edmonds' case, as he's a first alternate, does his agent go to the team and say, Well, Tremaine's made four Pro Bowls in his first three five seasons or whatever, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Does does that help his negotiation status? I, I I would hope not because you know, oh, he was a seventh alternate two years ago or whatever, and he got in. Right. Like, does that matter? Right. <laughs> is that is that any prize to be proud of? I, I don't know. I don't well, care about the Pro Bowl. I don't think the players should care about the Pro Bowl. And I think this is actually a good thing. It just gives fuel to the fire leading to the home stretch of the season here. I would have to agree with you. I mean, I, I do think that, and this is faithless, but I do think that the players do care about the Pro Bowl. And I think that they, I just say that because I think they're professional athletes and they would have, uh, you know, a big, they would have a lot of pride wrapped up in it. Um, So anytime we tell them they're not good enough, you know, that'll cut them deep. That's kind of all I got. But but as as we've learned, when they get cut deep, Tony, they don't respond well this year. That's what I'm worried about. Well, that is true. So. I guess I was more worried about just players in the league in general, more so even than now that now that you've made it personal about the Bills. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're second guessing a little. Well, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm second guessing, but I hope they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to the game. Enough about the Pro Bowl, the game nobody cares about. Let's talk about a game that does matter. This regular season game against the Panthers. Let's start off with the offense, Tony. The offense, again, just not sharp to start this game. Struggled early. Yeah. Three and outs. Just did not look like they were clicking. And again, a big reason, and this sounds very broken record-ish, was the offensive line. A lot of shuffling going on. Uh, Deion Dawkins was out. John Feliciano was out. And Spencer Brown had to get shifted over to left tackle, and he struggled mightily this game. Uh, probably his worst game as a Bill. Um, not only did he take five penalties from uh, this game, but the most idiotic taunting call I've ever seen a player take after after a really nice first down play. I think it was a Singletary run that gained 12, 13 yards ish, and Spencer Brown comes in and. Finishes his block, great. Good good for you, Spencer Brown, finishing your block. Like, there's no reason to stand over and taunt the guy. Who cares if he nudges you a little while he's down on the ground? Like, it, it was, 
not a good day from the offensive line again. And I think that's my biggest concern. Like now I'm looking, Bills are back in with this win, back in the AFC East hunt. You know, they're obviously in the wild card right now with a lot of other teams in the hunt, but I'm kind of looking at things they can rest their laurels on moving forward for this last home stretch of games here. And what are what are the big big pain points? What are the things they can they can take, positive things they can take? And one of the big pain points to me is this offensive line. It doesn't seem to matter if Feliciano's in or Spencer Brown's at left tackle, Dawkins isn't like it doesn't matter what the the combination is. It seems like they struggle and they've been struggling. And I, I kinda get to a sense that as much as we want this team to be good, they kind of are who they are. <laughs> like, uh, that, that's what that's what I'm most afraid of. I'm I'm scared that you know we're just waiting week after week for them to for that things to click and for them to to reach their peak and and look as dominant as they did last year. And I don't I don't know. I think we'll be waiting forever at this point, or at least this season, because I think this team kind of is who they are at this point. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, honestly. So that's what I think too, in so many ways. But I think. To me, I have a I have a villain in my brain surrounding that, and I know it's going to shock you. His name is Bobby, and, it, and it's going to be a shock to the regular <laughs> listeners. Hang on to your hat for this one. I blame Dable. <laughs> oh, shocking! Shocker! I know. So I have reflected a lot on exactly what you were talking about, and I think so much of it boils down to Dable has a he's far less willing this season to make those strategic adjustments. Personnel, okay, last game, like, he was forced into it because of personnel and, and everything with that. But that's adjust, that kind of adjustment, quote-unquote, is, like, is now what I'm talking about in terms of play calling. I mean, adjustments in the play calling. Right. Because I feel like what happened last year is we often got out to slow starts, and then Dable would just basically say to himself, oh, okay, well, this isn't working. Let's just do what we always do. And then we'd all be happy with it, and then we'd win. And now I feel like... He's like sticking to his guns a little bit more that he's not, you know, that's not so quick to move on and just go towards, well, what might anticipate is actually going to work. It's a huge disappointment. I wish we would just do it the whole game, especially in these past couple games where we've had so many receivers active. I'm like, let's, let's get this thing done, you know? Yeah. Why are we waiting around with this? And Devin Singletary, you know, he had a nice game for mm-hmm. him. Um, <laughs> and I... Yeah, and I appreciated that, and I was like, wow. And I walked away from the stadium, and I was like, this was just a nice little game where so many players had themselves on just like a, a, a nice little game. Yeah, kind of. It was yeah. like a nice little game for themselves. Devin Singletary, I'm like, you know, for Devin Singletary, like, that was a nice little game for him. Yeah, it's and like, it's like the end game. of it's like the end of a yearbook where it's like most likely to succeed, most li- like They just had all their – each one had their little moment to shine. Yeah, right. So I kind of thought that, and, and I guess what we do call that is like that's a, that's a, maybe what you want. That's like a, a balanced game where it doesn't, where your team isn't completely reliant on Josh. A on yeah, on like a single thing. I mean, I think we were reliant on Josh. I think Josh is executing the nice little games for so many of them. Yeah. Now this is all with the exception of, and I know we're on the offense now, but this is with the exception of Effie Obata, who had the game of his life. Uh, <laughs> right against his former team. Right, right, right. Um, and then, but you know, everyone else is just like, "Wow!" I mean, they it was it was just it was what it was. It was just a nice little game. Kevin Singletary looked like he kind of belonged and was like doing things. A lot of the players were kind of doing things and successfully. No one was like you weren't constantly, except for on the offensive line, 
um, there was no no one that I was constantly being like, oh, like again with this, like why are we doing it? Right. Like things just seemed to be, we were getting the production that we kind of wanted on off, that, that you one would want on offense. Yeah, I think like none of the stats are obviously eye popping. It's like Josh right. threw for. But that's what I mean. It's like over none of the stats are eye popping, but yeah, I mean they're totally yards and only two hundred and twelve. Like Josh should surpass that in passing alone every game. Yeah. So nothing spectacular from the offensive standpoint. I think when like we we talk about the Dable point a lot on this show and I clean up as much as I can. You do. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the consistency. And and I agree with you for the most part. I just always think when we talk about Dable and why he's so, uh, I don't even think hesitant is the right word, but so hard headed in terms of switching it up or adjusting yeah. accordingly. I think a lot of it relies on, or the reason is, is because they trust Josh to make up for their deficiencies. Like, oh, we have some holes on the offensive line. We're not going to address them this offseason as much as we probably should because we think Josh is going to progress and take a next step and be able to uh, adjust according to coverages and have a better handle on the offense and uh, use his ability in play to, you know, make something happen. Like, I just think they, like Josh being so good and Josh being the play, the type of player he is, I'm of the mindset that, you know, management and coaching didn't address deficiencies because they think Josh can make up for those deficiencies alone. And that's obviously, we're seeing not the case this year, even though Josh has been excellent, despite a very porous offensive line throughout the year. Right. That's what I think. I think, and I don't think Dable knows how to adjust other than say, well, we're just going to let Josh do his thing and it's going to work. Right. And it does. And it does for the most part. Yeah. Let him do the thing early. But when it doesn't, (laughs) when it doesn't, it's ugly. Right. I'd like to see Josh, uh, like, I'd like to see us not go through these ugly phases. And so much of that has to do with what I was kind of talking about last week with the with Dable's sort of tendency to just assume maybe that he can find the right matchup and then the matchup is going to be fine. Right. And then it doesn't even like click in his mind like that the matchup like might not have the same impression, an accurate impression of what this matchup is or could be. And I kind of think that that's what a lot of teams experience if they do choose to pick on Levi Wallace a little bit. Because mm. then a lot of times he also, sometimes, like, that's fair for, to pick on Levi Wallace. And then sometimes, like, he also, like, really steps up. And then they're like, oh, maybe not. Then we can't do this because Levi Wallace is doing, he's doing all right. Um, and I wonder if that's what teams were kind of pontificating or have been pontificating about Dane Jackson. Yeah, possibly. I I think... Jackson's been pretty good. We'll talk about that when we get to the defense. Did you appreciate yeah. Did you appreciate Spencer Brown and Stefan Diggs' uh, beer celebration? I think I did. <laughs> okay, good. I think I liked it. I think I liked, I liked that they were, like, passionate about finding the person. Yeah, afterwards? Yeah, it became, like, a little project. For them. Yeah, uh-huh. like a good team bonding experience. Right. Like an escape room exercise, but but finding, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but finding the guy who they stole his beer. If you were in that situation, would yeah. you be mad? I didn't know you said. I'd be thrilled. No, you'd be thrilled, really. Yeah. A fifteen dollar beer just gone in an instant. No, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, this can is going in uh, my cabinet. It's one of my most prized possessions. <laughs> if you get it back, then. yeah, that'd be well, cool. Exactly. That'd be cool if you got the can back. I guess. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah, I'm for it. Bills have good celebrations. I will give them that. Who has more fun than Buffalo? 
Who <laughs> has more fun than Buffalo? Exactly. Uh, some positives we mentioned: Devin Singletary. I th- I think it's time, Tony. As boring as you think he is, I think he's uh, a little underappreciated, and and I, and I mentioned that in the past. Uh, it's it's obviously time to make him the lead back, and I'm not saying give him 25 carries a game, but I'm good with just him carrying the majority of it throughout the season here. I mean, I think I'm good with that too because that's what we have. I don't think it is, even though I'm choosing to be good with it. I don't think it is good enough. Oh, it definitely. I wouldn't say definitely. It can be. It can be better, obviously, but for what we have now in that running back room, like. I, I guess what I'm saying is matchup depend like forget about matchups, forget about schemes and like just make Devin Singletary the guy. He, he just needs to be the guy. I, I'm sorry. Like okay, he, I, I, see, I see what you're saying. Like Like I don't want them like <laughs> like scratching Moss one week and scratching Breda one week like just because of yeah. the matchups and the offensive game plan and what they think they can exploit from the opposing defense. Like just make Devin Singletary the guy in the backfield. He's clearly the best. Make it. He's he's the guy. Just make him the guy. How how quickly we forget that Texans playoff game when we were I, I was I can't speak for you but and I say we because I feel like this was shared with my thought in the fan base maybe not by you but we were mad that Devin Singletary didn't get the ball in overtime in that Texans playoff game like that's how good Devin Singletary was that game. That's true. He can be that again. He can be. He's had his moments. We forget that he's had his moments. And that's on us. That's on us. Uh, We're sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I agree that if we're investing in Devin Singletary, if we're choosing to believe in Devin Singletary, then then let's just do it. Right. Let's like, see what we have. Of, like, yeah, like, just just get in there and do it then instead of all this all this uh, buzzing around. And especially because, you know, like, last year I was in favor of drafting the running back if the opportunity presented itself. Yep. Now I'm like, after this year, I'm like, oh, absolutely not. Like, we need to draft offensive linemen, please. Do yes. not waste my time with some running backs. Like, we need, I, I need an offensive lineman yes. so bad. That is clear. You need, I, you I, need it so yes. bad. I'm three. So don't tempt me with a running back because that's not real life. Real life is... Average running back behind a good offensive line. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what we need. Speaking of guys who we should invest more time in, breakout game for one Gabriel Davis. Two touchdowns. Breakout game? I, he's broken out. Well, he's this season, great. I'm saying. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I uh, mean, last year was great a, for a rookie campaign, but this year he's right. kind of been an afterthought uh, until the Sanders, recent Sanders injury. And we, we've been saying it for weeks. I mean, we've been saying Gabriel Davis needs to get more snaps, and now he does. He gets put into a, a number two receiver role, and he thrives. <laughs> like right. he, I think he just presents a, a whole different set of abilities in terms of body control and catch radius, and he, he he's sneaky fast too. We saw that on a deep ball that barely missed early in the game from Josh, where Davis didn't seem to have separation. And then right at the end, he kind of separates from his from his defender. Yeah. Gabriel Davis, two touchdowns. He could be game MVP for me, but uh, I I just think he's the guy moving forward. Like the, just like you said, like. Just let's see what we have with this guy. Uh, Sanders is on a one-year deal. Gabriel Davis is obviously the future at that number two receiving spot. So let's let's roll with it. Give this guy the majority of the snaps, even when Sanders comes back, which it looks like he might this week. A hundred percent on board with that. And I thought I think that Sanders has been more impressive than I thought he was going to be this season. Oh really? Uh, but it's because I also thought 
that he would be splitting a little bit more time with Gabriel Davis. I thought Gabriel Davis would be eventually sort of featured more and would be second half to Emmanuel Sanders by by this time of the season, by a month ago in the season. But yes, Gabriel Davis really stepped up. He had an awesome game. He looked great doing it. And uh, I was very excited about Gabriel Davis. And I, and I have to agree with you. Would he per- if not now, I would be perfectly comfortable with Sanders' contract uh, running out and it's Gabriel Davis' time. And I think it is Gabriel Davis. It's time to make it Gabriel Davis' time. Yeah. Time is now. Quick question for you, because I was wondering this as I was looking up notes for, for this podcast. Uh, is it surprising that Gabriel Davis is only 6'2"? Does he seem taller? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't sell six two short. Really? I six two is good. Yeah. I, I swear he was like when he was at the combine at the draft before he got drafted. He was like six five. Oh, I don't know. I mean, we see him next to Cole Beasley a lot. It's probably just an obstacle. Right, but Diggs is six foot according to player profiles. Like Diggs seems much more than two inches shorter than Gabe Davis. Right? Uh, I'm not crazy. Just like, not crazy. A, just like I think Marquez Stevenson is not fast. Like Gabe Davis is taller than it seems, right? No, I I am glad you brought that up because ever since you said that, like I can't unsee it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Marquez Stevenson is that fast. Right. Every kickoff return, I'm like, get going, guy. Yeah, that's how I was on Sunday. Yeah. See, I, I once you once you see it, you can't unsee it. Uh, or once you it know, gets in your mind, it doesn't leave. That's that's exactly what it is. It's just. It looks like his legs are moving so slow. <laughs> I think when it comes to Emmanuel Sanders, like, I wouldn't say I've been disappointed, but I wouldn't say I've been overly impressed either. Like, it's kind of been, he's just kind of been there. And we talked about last week, types of players being targets. Is this kind of a trend now with being targeting veterans who do good charity work, who maybe don't perform well on the field? <laughs> last year, we had Josh Norman, did a lot for the city. Through charity work, maybe not the greatest signing in terms of a football player. This year we have Emmanuel Sanders doing a lot of charity work off the field. Maybe a little disappointing from a football perspective. Is, is this a problem we should pay more attention to when it comes to Bean and his choosing of veterans and free agency? Well, I don't think problem is the right word. I think we are, we're all reaping the benefits. Well, we're looking for a better uh, balance. Yeah, the char- charitable efforts are not a problem whatsoever. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the football production. I'm looking for man. more. Matt, you're always looking for more. That's, <laughs> oh, why, never this, that's, why, yeah, that's why we're in this situation of charity. <laughs> right. Full circle. Right. I'm just saying, is it time to get like a, a, a Pac-Man Jones? No. I don't want Pac- I don't want anyone like Pac-Man Jones anywhere <laughs> near one bill drive. No? None of that. Not, Pac- not Pac-Man Jones. That's not a good example. I'm just saying a type of player who maybe doesn't put in the charitable effort, but, you know, brings it on the football right. field. I'm just, I'm just trying to find some silver lining and maybe some deficiencies, as we previously mentioned. Well, good luck finding those. No, back on track, Tony. Uh, anything else about the offense? Like, again, it was kind of all ho-hum game. Nothing really to, to write home about. They, they won. They got the job done. Pretty balanced. Josh threw 34 passes, just over 200 yards, three touchdowns. So very efficient day, I think, from the offense. Spread the ball around quite well. Four players had four catches or more on this in this Panthers game. So wins what we were looking for and wins what we got. So anything about this offense that uh, you want to mention that we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, there was several times when Dable... Uh, <laughs> Back to Dable. Ran. Uh, and- 
second and long, and it really frustrated me. And I specifically remember one time that he did it, and it frustrated me. And then we went three and out, and I really did not did not care for that move. You, you, and you so, know how when you, you know how you can't unsee. Marquez Stevenson not being fast. I can't, ever since yeah. you mentioned Dable running on second and long as frequently as he does, I can't unsee that. Like, I hate it. I, whenever it's second and it's eight or more, I'm just like, well, here comes a run, and lo and behold, it does, typically. Yeah, it's like an inside run. Yeah. doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah. I, I think he thinks okay. he's smarter than he is. That's exactly what I've been trying to say this whole episode. Right. I think he thinks like, oh, they're never going to expect this, but the reality is your offensive line is not good enough, so whether they expect it or not, it's not going to work. Right, and that is the only other thing that I have to say. Like, I think that's the whole important narrative that surrounds this game in its entirety is we got to get the offensive line figured out. I'm just really looking forward to Feliciano coming back, and I'm hoping that never thought you'd say that. <laughs> the whole thing. That's all I want. It's just Feliciano comes back and everything somehow gets fixed. The dominoes fall, everything is fine. The common I never thought you'd say that. That is shocking. From well, your no, from your like, very much critical analysis of his stretching ability when he first came on board to this organization and this team to now being the glue, the focal piece of this Bills offensive line getting right. You've come a long way with your John Feliciano thoughts, no, Tony. No. This is, this is all in the same. There's no change here. He's out. I'm frustrated that he's out. Why is he out? Because he doesn't walk up and stretch properly. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to hope that he just comes back. He is in the ER because he doesn't stretch properly. That is a lesson for everyone. You need to stretch properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Tony, moving on Thank to... The... <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to the Bills D... It was it was a fine game. I always go fall back on one thing though, and that's is this conversation about the Bills defense completely different if the Carolina Panthers had a kicker this game? A hundred percent. Because this game would have been much closer. Yes, I couldn't agree more. The whole the whole tone of the game would have changed if Zane Gonzalez did not run into that bit of bad luck in the pregame. It would have changed, and there were several times that there were several like four. Failed fourth down conversion for them. Right. There what, would have been one, one for five on fourth down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You think half so of the, you I, think half of those are field goals, that's six points, and maybe it's twenty four twenty or something with them yeah. drive like what right. what could have been? I don't know if well, I want to give the know. defense kudos because if the Panthers had a kicker, this conversation could be much different. Yeah, and the and if the Panthers had a kicker, those drives would not have been defensive successes. Right. They would have been defensive failures because they would have scored even in the form of field goal. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fortunate for the Bills. I don't know why the Panthers didn't have Urban Meyer on speed dial. He's a good kicker. Could have used him. Oh, oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Bravo, man. Ah, you like that? Thanks. It, it was very comical watching uh, their backup quarterback and their fourth wide receiver and whoever they could try to kick a football for what seems like the first time ever. So uh, we did get that bit of yeah. com- we did get that bit of comedy before the game. I did really enjoy that video going around as well. <laughs> um. I think I think the defensive MVP this game has to be former Carolina Panther F.A. Obata, as we mentioned 100%. a little bit ago. And it begs the question, just like Gabriel Davis on the offensive side of the ball, F.A. Obata on the defensive side of the ball, are these guys that should have been playing more this whole season? Would this whole season be different if these guys were seeing the snap counts they are now? And 
Honestly, I don't think so because I feel Bada does not do a lot. I think that Boogie Basham was making, before before this week's game, I think Boogie Basham was making more of a case for himself in terms of snaps. Yeah. With what little he had, with what little snaps he was getting. I did think Boogie had a good game. I always, I usually think Boogie had a good game. I know you do. Yeah. And I like Effie Obata, but sometimes he just kind of like disappears into the white noise. Not on Sunday, though. He really stepped up. And I totally forgot that he's British. (laughs) You did? Yeah, so That's like the only thing I know about him. Oh, you already shared what else you know about him. He's a former Carolina Panther. <laughs> I'm just saying off the football field, like word association. Yeah. You say F.A. Obata, I'm British. saying British, like immediately. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Hmm. What, did, what did you think F.A. was? <laughs> I don't know. I, Russian? What you, <laughs> no, I just wasn't thinking that he was, I don't know, I wasn't thinking about it. I just forgot that he was British, and then someone brought up the... You know, like the program that Christian Wade is in and a few of is in. Tony, you and I pitched Bill's media segments with the two British guys. Yeah, that was a long time ago, Matt. <laughs> yes, but, but that, yes, it was a long time ago, but it's also because F.A. Obama is British. Yeah, okay. How quickly you forget. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Well, anyway, anyway, I was pleasantly reminded that Effie Obata is British. And it changed your opinion and, about him forever? No, not at all. Okay. He just had a really awesome game, and it was great to see him stepping up, and it was great to see someone from that program stepping up uh, and really delivering and doing an awesome job. So, yeah, I was I kind of became a little bit of an Effie Obata fan from his performance, especially the two sacks in a row. really got me pumped. Yeah, I, I want to be excited because, you know, I, I watch highlights and breakdowns from, from other people about F.A. Obata, and I like I like what he brings. Like, he's aggressive with his hands, and he seems aggressive yeah, in the pass rush. He's a hard worker, effort guy. The technique stuff I like. I like what he brings. It just seems like the consistency thing is e- evades him a little bit. If he could bring it week after week, that'd be great. And I like his versatility as well, yeah. bouncing inside. And I'm hoping... I'm kind of hoping they found a better niche for him, putting in more opportunities on the inside for him. Yeah. Maybe that was to his benefit, I think. So I'll be curious to see how they manage that again, if that's what they think is going to be best. Yeah. I was shocked Star was back, too. He had a sack, apparently. I didn't even hear his name mentioned during the game. I thought he was in the doghouse, honestly. I, did, I also kind of thought he was in the doghouse, but... And it's not like we did that good a job against the run. Oh, no, we did not. They, they let up, I think, I think, I think four runs of over 15 yards or something in this game. Like, they didn't do a good job of the run, defending the run at no, all. No, no, no. And, well, I think a lot of that was because their running sort of, like, schema was Cam Newton-centric. Yeah, they they're, they were running a very college-style offense, a lot of Cam Newton stuff. There was a Robbie Anderson on that reverse Yeah. for a big run. Yeah, it was kind of an unorthodox offense from the the Panthers, but still, it's like we we talk about it week after week about defensive game planning. It's like why can't you adjust to like what these guys present? And like I go back to the Patriots game, like Mac Jones, like you know they're running the ball. Mac Jones is not throwing the ball. That was clearly evident from the beginning. Yet you can't stop it. Like this game, Cam Newton can't throw the ball past fifteen yards. Like he is physically. His arm, at least, it's physically shot. So, so it's either RPO stuff, cam option stuff, or it's short passes. Like I don't like I'm. I know football is much harder than writing a bunch of X's and O's on a on a sheet and then going out and executing. But 
it seems simpler when I say it than the Bills make it out to be on Sundays. I, I don't know. It drives me crazy. <laughs> it, it drives us all crazy, man. That's the whole scene of it. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I guess if it didn't that's drive me crazy, they'd be doing better, right? Right, exactly. I was going to say, like, that's why we're talking about this nice, well-balanced game against a, a not-good team. <laughs> right. I feel about a nice game. Another guy I thought had a nice game. I thought Dane Jackson again had a nice I game. Gonna, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> he has not been disappointing. What's that? Is he Trey White? No. And will he ever be? No. But have we have we had this like massive drop off? I I think he's been pretty good the past two weeks. Yeah, he's fine, but he's fine. I like, think he's, he's more fine. than fine. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's, I mean, maybe your definition of fine is different than mine. Maybe, but. But yeah, like um, the next man up is coming in and, and getting the job done. Yeah, I think I think so. so. That's, that's good. It's a relief. It is a relief. Like he led the team in tackles this game. He had I think two pass breakups. He's he's been good <laughs> for a guy yeah. who's who hasn't seen regular snaps for the first fourteen weeks of the season. Right. The, uh, yeah, for sure. It's been a pleasant surprise. I. I, I don't know. Surprise is not my feeling. Relief is my feeling. Relief's a good feeling, too, yeah. Because it was always going to be on. It was destined to be on his shoulders, and he's carrying the load. De- definitely. And that's something we cannot say about Bill's players drafted out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. In recent years. Because <laughs> right. Nathan Peterman did not carry the load very well. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dane Jackson, I thought, has been good. Which leads me to my question to you as we move forward last three games of the season bills are in a very tight race for the playoffs very tight race for the division and tight race for the number one seed even though i think the chiefs are kind of running away with it at this point but anyway the bills can still make some noise get a first round home playoff game at least maybe a second round home playoff game if if they finish strong here who's the most important player on this defense to you at this point who's gonna who's the most important player to their success for the rest of the season i would say right now I'm going to give it to Taron Johnson. Oh, I like that answer. Okay. And I, I say that because Taron Johnson goes down, then, then what? Then we're really hoping that uh, Saran Neal like, can step up into that role to go from one of the better slot corners in the league to... Saran Neal. I don't know. Saran Neal. Like, not that I dislike Saran Neal, but I don't think he's that. And yeah. now we're already in this situation where we've drained the pool the depth of the pool, like a lot, with this Trey White injury. The depth so is like, razor well, like thin. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like if we, there's there's no nose dives allowed no. in no. the pool anymore. There was a point in the game where Dane Jackson got hurt this past week and Saran Neal went yeah. in. And we're, I'm just like, it, if Saran Neal goes out, we have no one, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, well, then, well, then you know what happens. Then it's time to regulate. Yes, it's time to regulate with Elijah Griffin. That's right. Right, exactly. So I would say it it has to be a cornerback piece, uh, just based on the thinness of the depth. And I chose Taron Johnson because he's good. Yeah, I, I agree. And and if you were to ask me the same question, I would choose a secondary, a guy in the secondary as well. I would choose Levi Wallace, not only because he's oh, shifting, okay. not only because he's shifting yeah. to cornerback one and going against teams' best receivers. Th- this defense's success is predicated on coverage, right? Like they don't generate a good enough pass rush to have it be reliant on the defensive line for the defense's – that equates to the defense's success. Like, most of their sacks are covered sacks, right? They're not super snappy off the ball or quick twitchy off the ball. Like, so for Levi Wallace to now shift to CB1 
cover the opposition's best receiver and do an adequate job at it. I think that's going to be extremely important to not only the defensive line success, but also when they disguise blitzes and, and all this stuff. Levi Wallace, I, and I love Levi Wallace. I've, I stand for Levi Wallace. I think he's a really, really good player who's very affordable and very cheap being undrafted and very solid out on the field. And now the responsibility is obviously tenfold with Trey Trey White being out. I think he's just the most important piece because the coverage, uh, the coverage from those back four, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, or I should say five actually, because we play nickel in the two safeties are going to be of the utmost importance because I don't think we can generate a good enough pass rush to make yeah. a difference. So it'll be interesting to see. They have not the hardest schedule. Uh, this Patriots game coming up is obviously the big one. If they can win, if they can win this week and uh, right the wrong that was the win ball of three weeks ago. Yeah, that, I like the way you're putting that. Right the wrong. That's right, exactly what it was. Yeah, I mean, right the wrong of the NFL. That wasn't that wasn't a true NFL game. <laughs> right. But it's going to be on the coaching staff to. To respond, I mean, they were embarrassed. I, I believe they were embarrassed um, by a team that threw three passes. Uh, do the Patriots adjust their game plan? Do they do the same thing because of how successful it was prior? Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how these coaches adjust. And it seems like Belichick is just a guy who gets under McDermott's skin a lot. Oh, I like this. I like this theory. You don't think so? Oh, I do think so. Do, do, you like notice, do you notice McDermott's press conferences after Patriots games just feel a little angsty and a little different? Yeah, I just assumed that it was not just that he hates the Patriots, but he hates the role the Patriots are playing in the league. Like, I think I think that McDermott is a believer, CIL, is a believer of that, like, the league favors the Patriots unfairly. Yeah, I just think... I want to believe that he's like me. Let me have this. <laughs> All right, I'll let you have it. Okay. <laughs> he is like you, Tony, in every way. But if they win this Patriots game coming up Sunday, they're in the driver's seat with Atlanta and New York, the New York Jets to finish the season. Those two teams seemingly playing for nothing other than pride. This is this is a big one, Tony. How how con- how confident do you feel with this Patriots ah, game? 50-50. You're 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 a coin flip. Yeah, because I mean we don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, I thought it was a coin flip last game, too, because of the weather. Yeah. Now I think it's a coin flip because of the results of the weather that game that I'm like, well, we don't know what the Patriots are bringing to the table against us. We don't know their mindset against us or or, or anything. Like, we don't know anything. It was, it was a game before of no information coming out. So now I think it's a coin flip. I'm like, ah, are they, should they have won? Are they the superior team? Do they have more? to offer than we do, right. uh, especially out of strategic decisions. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Yeah, exactly. A lot of questions that are going to be answered because they weren't answered in the first one because right. of the weather. Right. So now I'm also looking to see, to me, this game is going to kind of determine what to expect the next 10 years um, in addition to in addition to like the division. No pressure. Because Right. No pressure. Yeah, but... If we lose, then maybe we can say, oh, geez, like, it's, it's, it's just like before with the Patriots. Like, <laughs> right. And then if we win and we split with the Patriots, 
then maybe we're saying you better bundle up for the next 10 years of a sweet rivalry <laughs> between us and the Patriots. And it's really going to, you know, it's not going to be one-sided. It's going to be something that we care about. And uh, we're in for it. We're here for it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I think my mindset like has shifted like before last season when we beat them twice in Patriots seem to have our number no matter what it was it was always with me is like i'll believe it when i see it in terms of can the, Bill, can the bills beat the patriots now it's i'll believe it when i see it in terms of at least this season's bills and that is the fact that i'll believe when i see it that the bills don't shoot themselves in the foot because it seems like all throughout this year they might be the better team but it just seems like with penalties and bad play calling and what they just seem like they shoot themselves in the foot week after week and maybe that you know whether it whether it results in a win or a loss, even the wins haven't been like great. They've been against bad opponents. They haven't looked good doing it sometimes. Like it just seems like they shoot themselves in the foot. So I've shifted now from I'll believe it when I see it in terms of the Bills beating the Patriots if it'll ever happen. Now I believe it when I see it that the Bills don't shoot themselves in the foot this year. And if they don't, yeah. then I think they win. I think they're their own worst enemy. Is is to wrap yeah. it up in a, in a game like the Patriots. Yeah, I would say I would say that's fair. Yeah, a lot of, okay, a lot of emotion, a lot a lot on the line. Yep, just and please, a lot of uh, just please win. Yeah, I know. Yeah. For everyone's saying a lot of emotion, a lot on the line, and a lot of uh, like I think that part of the Patriot strategy, the Belichick strategy, I suppose, the mental is what it would be. Yeah, kind of, yeah, is the mental or is the is you know presenting opportunities to get, to get uh, a penalty against the other team. Right. Right. We're creating those opportunities. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how, what the real strategy is going to look like. And I'm really curious to see if we got what it takes. Yeah, it'll be uh, very curious indeed. I think it would be good for our sanity. I, I did like Josh. I did like Josh's uh, answer when I, somebody asked him in the press conferences this week what he wanted for Christmas. And he said, uh, I just want to go out and execute Sunday. Right. Very, very pros pro answer there. <laughs> He's a pro's pro. Uh, he's a pro's pro. Um, that's, why he's a, that's, why, that's why he's the first alternate. That's a very first alternate answer Yeah, from Josh. <laughs> um, Tony, anything else about this game before we wrap up? I don't think so, but I do have a huge piece of news. What? Is it the results Prognosis in? Prognosis negative. Prognosis negative. Not like not like, jo- not like George reacting to the, the negative of his uh, discoloration of the lift. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, this no, is a good negative. negative. Yeah, not when George got the call from his doctor while he was on the soundstage. It's when George arrives when they're going to see Prime Minister. Yes. Well, everyone rejoice. Tony is negative, folks. He can enjoy his holidays. Just oh, so. we'll see. Probably take another test tomorrow. Eh, probably. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Can never be too sure. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Tony, let's wrap it up. Again, quick quick episode for the listener. We got holiday stuff. First and foremost, before we get into our ending spiel here, have a happy holidays from everyone here at Woody Not Funny. To all our listeners, thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, of course, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrower.com. Uh, if you missed a Christmas gift, if you missed a holiday gift for for a family member, for your loved ones, Traveling Growlers got your back. www.travelinggrowler.com. $5 koozies. Check them out. If you, uh, it, it'll make that person you forgot the gift for very happy. I, I guarantee it. That's a guarantee. T-shirt store, teespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny. All one word. Support the podcast. Get a t-shirt. It's a good conversation starter. 
Every time I wear my Witty Not Funny t-shirt to a Bills game, I get dozens of compliments. Dozens, Tony. Dozens seems like an overestimation. Uh, no, last time I went, I got probably a good at least two dozen. 24 people? 24 people said that's talk, an awesome shirt. You think you talked to 24 strangers at a Bills game? I didn't talk to them. I passed them by and they said, nice shirt. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, two actually uh, took a picture with, so there we go. Wow. Yeah. Like two separate parties and two separate pictures, or like you took a picture with two people? No, two separate occurrences. Wow. The one girl didn't even no. want, the one girl just wanted to take a picture of the shirt, not even my face in it. I don't know what it says about me, but she appreciated the shirt. Yeah, well, no why surprise. Is it, why isn't this a TV show? Why is it a podcast? No man? surprise. <laughs> I've got a face for audio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, once again, that's tespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny. All one word. Uh, where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts or listen to for free on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Check us out. If you like us, leave us a review, subscribe, hit us up, tell us how much, uh, tell us how awesome we are or not. We like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it on this show. So uh, if you're a first time listener, thank you for checking us out. We appreciate that as well. Hopefully you you like this this hour of uh, reflectiveness and cathartic discussion (laughs) about the bills game and the bills season and the bills team uh and we hope you tune in for the future tony you want to do twitter handles where can the listeners find you tony at tony j ambrose tony j esquire at symbol which is the a surrounded by a circle lowercase a surrounded by a circle thank you for clarifying Uh, by a t o n y j a m m as in uh uh manikovich <laughs> right. E R O S E. And you use that at uh, twitter.com. Yes. I which think... is https <laughs> colon slash slash www dot t w i t t e r dot c o m slash. A little spelling lesson for the listeners that much appreciated, Tony. Um, I think that's the code. I, mean, they... I figured it was good audio. I think that's the code they used in World War II when uh, talking over audio. M as in Matikovich. I think think that's what the Allies used. (laughs) You can find the podcast at WittySports716. Give us a follow. We love following back. Saber Swords people. Bill's Mafia. Give us a follow. Uh, That's all I got. Tony, send off for the listeners. I think you're a fox. Wow. Thank you. It is a great uh, festivist. I was trying to think of a festivist line <laughs> to drop on a day like today. It was going to be that or... Or... Uh, why did you trade Jay Buhner? Oh, shoot. That was... That was on... That wasn't on festivist. That was not a festivist. No, it was, I was going to start by saying, yeah, I don't want to line that. You couldn't throw the silk sheet if you went on a hot date. I lost a train of thought. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Happy festival. That's what I wish it was. Put yeah. that one in. Make that one my thing. I, I will make that one your thing. <laughs> I will put that one as your thing. Uh, as Matt right. says, go Bills. We'll throw go Bills out there as well. And as we always say, stay witty out there, everyone. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye.